Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Coming up on Studios America, freelance writer Drew Holden has unleashed a new Twitter thread of accountability. This time on Anthony Fauci and the CDC. You're not going to want to miss this. The Obamas have a big bash plan for Barry's 60th. Yeah, are you invited? I know I am. Surely they'll be following the latest Delta variant protocols, though, right? Okay, good. And what happens when you spend the year before the Olympics trashing your home country openly and vindictively? Well, we'll show you as we do the women's soccer team. Stu does America. I can't believe it in the Me Too era that Stu is doing the women's soccer team. I know. It's just really terrible. Devastating for them. I mean, it's terrible news for them. Devastating news from the Olympics this weekend as it revolves around the women's soccer team. The women's soccer team of the United States lost. Mm. I was all torn up about it. Let me give you a full rundown of the action. Canada scored once. That's it, obviously. It's soccer. So that's all that happened. On a penalty kick, by the way. A penalty kick is also known as the only time anything ever occurs in soccer. It's like if you played an entire basketball game and no one scored, except occasionally, like once a game, one of the teams shot a free throw. That's soccer. I was in a place recently where, against my will, soccer was on the television for like an hour. This is like a couple weeks ago. And I watched the whole time. Not only were there no goals, there were no shots on goal the entire time I watched. At one point, someone kicked it toward the goal, and I took a picture of the television on the replay because it didn't seem possible that I actually saw it. And by the way, as I pointed out, that's 47 minutes into the game, and the ball went like five to eight feet away from the net which is the most action that was seen. 90% of the sport is passing it backwards. That's soccer for you. Chris Russo, once uh, was uh, the sports broadcaster, was once on the air, and someone called up and said, Chris, you just don't understand the subtleties of the game. And he pointed out, in soccer, the subtleties of the game do not lead to goals. That's the problem with the sport. It's too subtle. Soccer is a terrible, terrible sport. Now, of course we all know it's in bad taste to root against your own country, of course. However, I always root against U.S. soccer, men or women. Why? Because the more they win, the more people get interested in their dumb sport, and the more their stupid highlights are on ESPN all the time. I don't want soccer highlights taking up time that could be filled by like a Diamondbacks versus Marlins highlight from late May in a game that was rained out. That is too much for me. Too much soccer. But as far as this whole rooting for your country in the Olympics thing, does it, does it, is it me or does it feel like that's changing? It feels like people are no longer as passionate about this stuff, passionate about rooting on their nation. It's all changing with the new woke crew and all the people who are going to the Olympics to make statements on their own. 
The Olympics are supposed to be a chance for all of us to come together and semi-blindly show some patriotism and safely flex a little jingoism. Instead, it's become a way for individuals to show how much they dislike the country they're playing for, which makes the games super difficult to watch or care about. How about Raven Saunders? Uh, she is, uh, was a medalist in the shot put. Here's what she said. She said, uh, this is a quote from one of the articles. During the photo op at her medals ceremony Sunday night, Saunders stepped off the podium, lifted her arms above her head, and formed an X with her wrists. Ugh. Asked what that meant, because, you know, no one knew what it meant. She explained, it's the intersection of where all people who are oppressed meet. That's so, Raven. It's also so every other annoying woke person on the planet right now. What does that even mean? It's the intersection of where all people who are oppressed meet at her wrists? Is that where they meet? It's like a sentence created by a random word generator. I remember living and dying by like the dream team, 1992. NBA players get in there for the first time. And living and dying, I say living and dying, really living is all you had to do because the gold medal game, they beat Croatia by 32, which was their closest game of the Olympics. And now we're losing to freaking France in basketball. France! NBA players are losing to France. I know the league has changed. I know basketball is better around the world, but France, come on. It's the cause of all of our newfound losing ways because of wokeness. No, probably not, but I want them to think that. Wokeness is weakness, as I say often, and I even put it on mugs. Wokeness is weakness. There it is, dot com. Remember when we had this controversy a while ago that women's soccer and the women's soccer team for the U.S. was not paid enough? Remember it was some form of income inequality. You might remember that as a controversy between men's and women's soccer players. The women were saying, well, we win more often than men. We should get paid more. But it actually started from a women's soccer player complaining she didn't make as much as Peyton Manning and Kobe Bryant. Each of us, Kobe, Peyton, and I, we made the same sacrifices. We shed the same amount of blood, sweat, and tears. We'd left it all on the field for decades with the same ferocity, talent, and commitment. Hmm. But our retirements wouldn't be the same at all. Because Kobe and Peyton walked away from their careers with something I didn't have. Enormous bank accounts. <laughs> and because of that, they had something else I didn't have. Freedom. Mm. Mm. Their hustling days were over, and mine were just beginning. Oh, doesn't that just hit you right in the soul? They don't. They had freedom, and she doesn't have freedom. Because what makes you free in this country is multiple millions of dollars in your bank account. Now, Peyton Manning is basically on every commercial for every product on every television show. Kobe Bryant was hustling so much that he died taking a helicopter to one of his kids' basketball games. I don't think either one of them lacked post-career hustle. But here's the thing about money. It's not about you. It's about how other people, uh, and, and how, how other people feel about you. How much do other people like what you're doing? It's not about how hard you're working. It's about how much other people like what you're doing. It's sort of like dating. 
If I work super hard and ask out 20 different supermodels every day and get rejected, and then, you know, Channing Tatum walks by and he walks through a room and impregnates every woman he walks by unintentionally, we don't deserve the same results. The supermodels want Channing Tatum and they want me to leave them alone. It's about what they want, not what I'm doing. The same goes for all of our jobs. Working hard might make you an upstanding member of society, but it doesn't make you rich. What makes you rich is when other people desire what you can produce. People desire NFL football. People desire NBA basketball. People don't care about women's soccer. They also do not care about men's badminton. Sorry, that's why the best men's badminton player in the world is not rich either. And this phenomenon is, of course, why the best women's tennis player in the world is very rich. Naomi Osaka makes $37 million a year, probably enough to buy some freedom. By the way, Alex Morgan, a women's soccer player, made $4.6 million last year. I mean, it's not Kobe or Peyton money, but it pays a hell of a lot better than badminton. We are in historic real estate times right now. If you're buying or selling a home, you know there's a lot to consider here. If you are selling your home right now, you know you're getting offers. You know probably the first day you're putting it out on the market, you're getting some offers. And if that's happening, you got to make sure you're taking the right one. It's not just about what the highest number is. It's also about whether the financing is all set. Maybe the person's paying in cash. A lot of that stuff's happening right now. you got to get the best money, uh, the best dollar uh, for uh, your investment. Same thing goes the other way. When you're buying a house, you want to be reaching. You don't want to be going, uh, trying to pay too much for a house that, you know, maybe isn't perfect. Maybe you're just trying, you get caught up in the back and forth of a negotiation. You need a real estate agent that can help walk you through each moment of those situations. Tell you what you should fix on a house, maybe when you're trying to sell it and what you shouldn't. Get more information at realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to find the person who can help walk you through all of this, beginning to end, someone you can trust, someone you can count on in a situation where you're dealing with your most important financial transaction. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Happy to welcome back to the program, freelance commentary writer and keeper of all important Twitter threads. It's Drew Holden. Drew, how's it going? Stu, I'm doing well, sir. How about yourself? Uh, pretty well, pretty well. Um, I want to go over your last uh, thread here. This is a big one. Uh, you say, we've seen all the various flip-flops of the CDC, Dr. Anthony Fauci, over the last 18 months to help keep track, which was quite a task. <laughs> I present Fauci yeah. versus Fauci, chronicling the twists, turns, contradictions, and backtracks from the man and his agency. You had quite a lot to pull from on this one, Drew. Yeah, yeah. You know, unfortunately, I did. And, and Stu, I really tried to keep this pretty narrow. My thinking here was, when, when has he really been caught saying one thing and then saying the other? There's a bunch of stuff in there where I think he was off or misleading or just not, not being accurate with the facts. Uh, and I, I didn't include any of those. And I still, unfortunately, had, a, had, had quite a lot of tweets to be able to tee up. Very true. Let me go through a few of them here. Uh, you have uh, CBS News has Dr. Fauci again dismisses Wuhan lab, lab as source of coronavirus. And then also Fauci bombshell 
NHL not convinced COVID-19 developed naturally outside of Wuhan lab. This is one, at least I think he's landing on the correct answer. Sure. Um, which is at least, it's better than the alternative, I guess. That's, that's right. Yeah, I think that's, that is unfortunately probably the right way to look about it. But what kills me is he wrote off the, the potential theory of the virus leaking from a lab time and time again, over and over. And he did so during the critical months where we probably could have gotten a little bit more information, right? At, at, at the time when we were actually kind of close to all of this, when the UN was actually interested maybe in trying to get some answers. That's not to say that we actually would have gotten any answers, but he really did an effective job of having people, particularly in the media, write off that as a theory of the case at all. Yeah, uh, And then eventually, after the things start to turn, even the corporate press starts to change their minds about it, he finally says, oh, you know what, actually, I'm not sold. I'm not 100%. Uh, you know, it's too tough. We can't possibly rule it out. Yeah, it's, it, it, I think what's left out of this, too, is that there are real ramifications for people like Anthony Fauci right. saying that it was a crazy person's theory. I mean, it got people booted from their social media accounts. It, it yep. made people who otherwise may have been credible into pe people who were not to be believed and to be shunned yeah. as conspiracy theorists. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it really did make a pariah out of an enormous number of people. And it wasn't until I think it was New York Magazine back in January was the one who broke kind of the first within corporate media, the first story saying, this is actually a lot more plausible than we've considered. Up until then, yeah, you. I mean, you could get kicked off Twitter, kicked off of Facebook, and you had people who were saying a whole bunch of things about the virus, many of which valuable, be it about hydroxychloroquine, about other treatments, uh, about the way that different states were counting the number of cases and the impact, right, getting back to to the, the situation with Governor Cuomo, a lot of those people, a lot of those critics were also on, the, you know, opposed to Fauci when it comes to the Wuhan stuff. And yeah, you're right. They were written off. They're written off by all of the, the supposed keepers of truth who we have at our, our disposal. Now, probably the most common one I've heard when it comes to Fauci is masks. And it's an interesting one because mm -hmm. it usually comes from conservatives. And right. it, they don't like where he ended up. They, they, they think he... I th like a conservative would say, I think Fauci was right at the beginning and then mm -hmm. turned wrong. But let me give you the two that you brought up here. Um, Fauci said masks not really effective in keeping out virus in an email from yeah. early on versus CDC urges vaccinated people in COVID hotspots to resume wearing masks indoors. Exactly. And it's it's interesting, too, because there are a couple of different points where Fauci says, hey, these mask things, eh, not really worth all that much. One, obviously, was in those leaked emails, but also early on in the pandemic that he has since said was a, an attempt to keep people from having a run on masks. He said, no, we shouldn't be wearing these. These are only for healthcare workers. Um, and they don't actually do a whole look of good. And so don't bother going out to buy them. And so to me, that what really, I think, strikes me about, about Fauci and what I think, you know, what I tried to paint as a pretty clear feature throughout the thread is he was really interested all along in being smarter than everyday people and being able to craft a policy that responded to the ways he thought people were likely to behave. Mm -hmm. That's really hard to do ever, right? Governments really struggle with that. I think that's why a lot of people are conservative is kind of the contention that you can't really do that. You can't do a good job of doing that, especially when you have your own ideas about what good looks like on the other side of that. But particularly at a moment where 
what we really needed to do, at least at the start of this thing, was have trustworthy, reliable information that we could all get on board with. The fact that he was manipulating the information right from the jump by his own admission, I think has done an enormous amount more damage than most people are, are comfortable reckoning with. Yeah, because I think this is, this one's in a category that is special for Fauci, and he has several examples mm-hmm. of this. But like, mm-hmm. you could you could forgive a public health official for saying, look, we don't think masks will be effective. And then later on right. saying, you know what, we're looking at the data and I, I got to say, I think they are effective. Like that's that's kind of natural and, and something that could, sure. could, could, yep. is understandable in a crisis like this. But he mm-hmm. specifically said he basically didn't mean it. His initial yeah. thought was, look, we don't want people to be buying these things up so that the hospitals can't get them. He, he has admitted several times to that type of manipulation mm-hmm. and, and lying to make the public yeah. do something. And that is you can't accept that one time from a federal health official. Exactly. I, I, you know, just, I think that that's spot on. And it's it's one of those things where he should know better. Right. He has been in public health forever. Right? That's, that's <laughs> yes. why we trusted about you on the jump on this. This guy's been around forever. There are really well codified examples. And I know that we've talked about them in the past about what public health experts ought to do in a moment of crisis in order to preserve their credibility. Fauci was not interested in doing a whole lot of these, including, yes, being frank and being honest. And I think one big part of that, too, was being honest about what we know and what we don't know, at least yet. Right. I think I'm there with you when it comes to this is this is an evolving situation. We don't have all the answers. We need to be open to the data changing people's minds. But. Dr. Fauci at no point could bring himself to even have a shred of humility that would be required to actually have an open mind about any of these things, right? Mm. He is saying definitively this, definitively that. And that's, I think, especially with the lab leak theory, that's what really killed me. It wasn't, eh, I'm not, I don't really buy into this idea, or or, I think the evidence weighs in the other direction. It was, nope, nah, forget it. Cold water thrown on this idea. And it, it should be really obvious in retrospect why it was that people now, 18 months into this thing, don't we trust public health officials and science broadly less than we ever have. Mm, it's very true. Um, you, go after, you go after his agency as well, CDC. Mm-hmm. Uh, CDC drops controversial testing advice that caused backlash. This is September 18th of 2020. And then later on, the CDC reverses course on testing for asymptomatic people who had COVID-19. How important is this turn? I think it, so there are a couple that are like this, and I think taken together, they're pretty important. So the contention actually with with why this guidance had changed was political pressure, right? You might remember there was a, there were cases in Florida and in New York, and supposedly the Trump administration was like, well, we shouldn't be doing as many cases, because that means our case number goes up, which will lead people to think the wrong thing, supposedly. I don't, I don't know if that's actually accurate. But again, what you see here, and we've seen a lot of this, I think, throughout the last 18 months, is an example of where there are inconvenient facts, and rather rather than trying to wrestle in an open, public, transparent way about whether or not these things are true and what to do about them, it was, ooh, this is this is icky for the narrative. And so what we need to do instead is find something and at least profess some information that fits a little bit easier and more neatly with the narrative and what we want people to do as a result, right? This is the Fauci masking point. And I think that that really does wear on people. And when you have these quick, I mean, this one was, I think, a matter of days, maybe a week tops when this guidance flip-flopped back and forth. How can you possibly go to everyday Americans and say, hey, I know we just changed it last week, but the guidance has done another 180 and we need you to be doing this thing. We're certain of it. Yeah. I mean, you're and you're barely exaggerating when you say last week. This is another example. Vaccinated teachers and students don't need masks on July 9th of 2021. 
And then July 27th, 2021, CDC teachers and students should wear masks. I mean, yeah. it's really comical. And I, they, they say like, well, the Delta variant, it changed everything. I mean, we saw India go through this. We saw the UK go through this. We saw the Netherlands go through this. We're seeing Israel go through this. We had a very, tons of lead time on the Delta variant. This is not something exactly. that shocked us out of nowhere. They were predicting for weeks it was going to be the dominant strain in the U.S. Exactly. And the virus, the viruses, the vaccines that we currently have are effective at treating it, too. Yeah. Right. And mm -hmm. that's that's what kills me is. Uh, there's 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 obviously been an enormous amount of moving goalposts over the last 18 months. But I think one of the biggest places where this has changed and we're seeing it now today is once upon a time, the idea that you could take a vaccine, give it out broadly to Americans and turn this crisis, this public health disaster that we're dealing with into something pretty mundane, right? Like an annual kind of flu cycle season. Mm -hmm. That is an enormous that would back when that was an enormous consequential goal that we had yeah. to helping life get back to normal. And so we get there, right? We, we're able to do that. We've got these these miraculous vaccines that I think it's 99.999% of people who are dying right now from COVID are unvaccinated, mm -hmm. right? We, we have been able to, for all intents and purposes, wipe out vaccinated people being killed by this disease. And yet we still see the guidance change as if it's as if it, you know, someone had woken up today and decided that things needed to be different. It's, it's mind blowing. And again, it's the sort of thing that isn't just bad in the moment. I think it will have a really, really long tail in terms of how much Amer the American people are able to trust public health officials. Yeah. You know, it's really fascinating. I think this is at the core of the problems with all of this stuff. And you got to make sure you get the uh, the tweet thread from Drew uh, at Drew Holden 360. Um, you read all of the examples. There's a ton of them. Um, but like at, at its core, like if you're a public health official in Dr. In Dr. Fauci's position, you have two types of days, right? One day where you're like feeling really confident about what is going on and how to handle it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what having your finger on the pulse of what's going on with the pandemic. And another day that everyone should expect where like, you know, maybe something changed and you, you think there's new information and you have to deliver some uncomfortable piece of changing information. Those right. both of those days are understandable. However, the problem with it is when they aren't on that day, like last week where they had to change the guidance, when they're on a normal day, they come out and they say, trust the science. You're a denier if you don't trust the science. You right. bastards, why don't you stupid people listen? And then yep. on the other side, they also want this idea of, look, science is, a, is, a, is an evolving process. This is a, this is a yep. moment. We, we, it's a pandemic. Of course, we don't know everything. You have to understand this is how the process works and we'll give you the new information when we have it. It's like, you yep. can't have both of those things. You can't have, listen, you stupid deniers. Plus, it's a process and we're not sure. Exactly. And, and Stu, I think you, you mentioned it earlier. One of the big parts of that too was, it wasn't just, oh, and you're stupid if you disagree. It's, and we're going to kick you off Twitter what? and Facebook, and we're going to hound you out of your job, right? Like, there, there are real consequences for people, including, you know, expert scientists who dare say, I don't know, I'm not sure this is, this is okay. I don't know that this makes sense, which is how, as far as I think any of us understand it, the way the scientific process should go. You are going to have new information. You are going to have biases going into this. Things are going to change. This is obviously a rapidly evolving situation. And so the idea that you could have a rapidly evolving situation where new information will come pretty often and we have to throw aside some preconceived notions as we do it. You can't do that if you're also silencing dissent 
on the other side of all of this. And unfortunately, that's exactly what's happened. And I think that, again, not only does that have those moment to moment consequences, but that's a perfect way to set your own credibility on fire in the eyes of the American people. That's so true. And we saw one of the funny outcomes. It's not really funny, I suppose, of all of this craziness is that when the change comes, there's a period between that and when the social media companies get word officially to stop banning people for the old thing they were supposed to ban people for. Yeah. We saw this with Dave Rubin, uh, our own Dave Rubin last week when he tweeted something about the vaccines and how they, you know, they talked about more virus uh, being in the nose than they expected. And he tweeted <laughs> something about how the, there's a change in the way the vaccines are working and it's not what they expected last week. And he got thrown off of Twitter when every exactly. mainstream reporter in America was saying there's a change in the way we understand these things work. I mean, exactly. it's, it's comical, but sad. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, unfortunately, comical, but sad is probably the right way to put it. <laughs> it's, it, you know, it, we should be striving for this new information. This is what kills me, right? Was, especially you've got someone like Ruben. You've got someone who's actually trying to get to the truth of the matter on this, which is hard. It's hard when we're in the middle of the crisis to try and figure out what the best information looks like. This is why I think people asking questions about Wuhan is really important. And it's just, it seems at every step of the way, the FDA, the CDC, the Biden White House, you have, and, and then corporate media, they are not interested in asking any of the types of questions or hearing any of the types of answers that they're not interested in hearing. And you can't do that. I mean, you, you, you fundamentally cannot do that when it comes to making good policy. You certainly can't do it in a crisis. And that's all we've seen for the last 18 months. And there's just there's so many avoidable errors and footfalls that happen when you try and make policy that way. And unfortunately, the last 18 months has been littered with those sorts of bad outcomes. Uh, Drew, let me zoom out for one last question here before I let you go. We are in a point in this pandemic, and I think we agree that, look, the vaccines have done a lot of work here uh, to make, mm -hmm. we, you know, we saw in the UK, uh, you know, a 93% drop in death rate um, right. from the previous outbreaks. We've seen a major difference here. And we get to this point where it seems like the government, I don't know if it's just because they they're, they don't want to let go of some of this control or they just are really, really worried about people who are unvaccinated. It doesn't seem like they're worried about them any other time, but yeah. they seem to want people who are vaccinated to change all of their behaviors um, because uh, because some people decide they don't want to be vaccinated. And, and to me, it strikes me just morally and as a as a from a policy standpoint, all you can do is give people the option. You know, I know yep. people who are really against the vaccine and mm -hmm. all I'm asking for is the option to get the vaccine if I want to take it. I, I from their perspective, right. I'm the one taking all the risk from my perspective. Yeah. They're taking the risk. Can't we just kind of agree that to assess our risk now that all this is available and move on with our lives? You would think so, right, Stu? So I, I think in an ideal case, that's kind of how we have to function in a pluralistic democracy. There are people who see things differently than you, uh, and we're all afforded that you know, relatively narrow, all things considered, I think, relatively narrow level of risk, right? There's some things you say you can't do. You can't get in your car drunk and drive. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't. There's all, there's all sorts of things that are, are unacceptable and a pretty limited band, things like this, where you say, yeah, you know what? There's some risk here. We're going to let people take it on either side. What I think, and this is shaded a little bit, I think, because I live in Washington, D.C., which naturally is is the tattletale capital of the world. <laughs> but I think one of the real problems with all of this is we've given people um, not just a moral license, uh, but a, a policy license to go out and hold people accountable based on what they think is right, 
uh, in a way that we, I don't think we, we've seen very often in the American experience other, otherwise. And so once you give people all of this power, this authority, this moral clarity that they're in the right, it's really, really hard to claw that back. Because I think, unfortunately, Stu, what we're seeing is a lot of people really liked having that. They liked being not just right, but being able to tell other people, especially people who don't see the world the, the way that they do, that they are wrong and that they're bad and that because they are wrong, they are a bad person. And everyone else who thinks like them is too. There's, there's a lot of power in that. And I think there are a lot of people who aren't super comfortable giving back their license to be a, a miserable scold. Yeah, no, it's very true. And it's, it's, it's alluring, I think, that power. And they don't want to give yeah. it up. Uh, Drew Holden, yeah. uh, his uh, excellent work on Twitter, of course, at Drew Holden 360 Don't miss the thread on uh, Anthony Fauci and the CDC. Uh, make sure you go uh, check it and retweet it and everything uh, from at Drew Holden 360. We'll tweet it out. I think I actually already did tweet it out, but we'll, maybe we'll do it again or something uh, at Stu Does America. Drew, thanks so much for coming on the program. Stu, pleasure is mine, sir. Thank you for having me. Well, let me tell you a little bit about the Bilt Bars. Yes, Bilt Bars are for healthy people. Are you one of those people? My wife is one of these people. She's healthy. She eats right all the time. We went out uh, for uh, uh, ice cream the other day, and I had this mound of ice cream. It was 14 feet tall of ice cream. I don't know. It must have been 30,000 calories of ice cream. And she had this little dainty thing. I, I, you know, people like that. Are you one of those people? Well. If you want to eat something that tastes really good, and maybe if you're not so healthy, maybe you're just one of these people who like candy bars, you're going to love Built Bar. Built Bar, uh, they, they come out with great flavors all the time, new flavors, innovative flavor, flavors. They have nine sort of staple flavors, stuff like mint brownie and chocolate, uh, double chocolate, salted caramel, cookies and cream, tons of great stuff. But the bottom line here is they go for taste first. So it's like you want to eat a candy bar, get a Built Bar. As my wife would tell you, chill it in the fridge, a little bit, just leave it in the fridge. That's where it's best. 18 grams of protein, 180 calories or less. They fill you up. They only have four grams of sugar, like four net carbs. They're, they're healthy, but they taste really good. Don't let the healthy thing fool you. Uh, Built.com is the place to go. Built.com. Use the promo code STU15. You'll save 15% off your first order. Use the promo code STU15 uh, for 15% off at Built.com. Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina has said that he has tested positive for COVID-19. Now he is fully vaccinated. Uh, he mentioned that his symptoms are mild flu-like symptoms. Uh, will be quarantined for about 10 days. He says, I'm very glad I am vaccinated because without vaccination, I am certain I would not feel as well as I do now. My symptoms will be far worse. Of course, we don't know that for a fact, but uh, it does seem to be the way that this is playing out. Uh, despite the attention given to them, breakthrough COVID-19 cases remain exceedingly rare. Less than 0.1% of vaccinated Americans have tested positive for COVID-19, and those who do tend to experience a less severe bout of the virus than the unvaccinated. You know, a lot of people are, you know, I'm uh, Mr. Pro-Vaccine, America's most pro-vaccine person outside of Donald Trump, probably. Uh, but I will say this. Uh, Telling people that, you know, 99.9% of unvaccinated or of, of vaccinated people do not get the virus is not a it doesn't it's not really a meaningful stat unless you put it up against what's the percentage of, of unvaccinated people that are getting the virus. Like you can't just take a, a group of 160 million people and say only a few of them are are 
are getting it. We all know that, you know, not everyone gets the virus. Uh, maybe we'll present some of this tomorrow, but uh, we did, we, I was going through some of the states that pre prevent or excuse me, present full data. And basically what the data say is you've got about a 0.1% chance of getting it if you're vaccinated. It's about 6% if you're not vaccinated. So a huge difference, about 60 times different. But also, like most people, even if you're unvaccinated, are probably not going to get it. We all know that the, the bigger incentive might be the effects if you do get it what happens to you and uh, a lot of the cases i mean a lot of the cases when you're vaccinated don't even get brought up uh, because they are asymptomatic i will say this uh, now i did happen to catch when i got covid 19 as you know i'm a covid 19 survivor uh i uh, did catch it it was asymptomatic case though it was i was i was tested just because i knew i was around someone who was having some symptoms and uh, i did wind up testing positive so who knows i mean we know on both sides of this there's a lot of cases that just go on and we don't know you know and we're never gonna know really <laughs> there's just a lot of this stuff going on we're still figuring this out we still have no idea what the hell we're doing that's the bottom line. We have no idea what the hell we're doing. Speaking of not knowing what the hell we're doing, Joe Biden had some comments on COVID restrictions as well. Should Americans expect more guidelines coming up, more restrictions because of COVID? In all probability. By the way, we had a good day yesterday. Almost a million people got vaccinated. About half a million of those people for the first time with our second shot. And so I'm hopeful that people are beginning to realize how essential it is. Hmm. He was awake the entire time that he answered that question. More restrictions uh, likely coming, according to Joe Biden. We've seen the CDC recommendations change around quite a bit. Um, interesting that Barack Obama doesn't seem to care. You know, none of these people seem to care. We saw the mayor of Washington, D.C. hanging out with celebrities. We've seen this in Chicago as well, where the mayor's hanging out with celebrities who come to town. That's totally fine. It, these restrictions just don't apply to your betters. That's what you need to understand as a as a regular. You happen to be a regular. You're not one of them. And they get to dictate who gets to follow these rules and to who doesn't have to follow the rules. They don't have to follow them. I, again, it would be your credibility would be higher if you were actually scared of a pandemic that maybe you would follow the rules that you are putting on other people, but they don't care about any of this. They don't care about any of it. Uh, it's fascinating to watch. Barack Obama is going to have his 60th birthday party on Martha's Vineyard, and he's going to uh, invite a ton of people to come to his estate. Now, he's got you know, Mr. Income Inequality, as you might know, has a 30 acre estate on Martha's Vineyard. And I, I don't if you're not from the Northeast, if you don't ever go to these areas, I don't know how to explain to you what a 30 acre plot of land on Martha's Vineyard is. It's incomprehensible that someone even has this, right? This is like, you'd normally picture someone like, you know, Elon Musk or Bill Gates. It's like that type of money to get into that realm. You, you don't just, this is not something that a normal rich person gets, okay? This is something that the ultra mega completely inordinately rich get. And you know what? I don't care if someone buys some expensive property. I really, that doesn't bother me at all. What does bother me is someone who bitches about income inequality and then does it. Um, what's fascinating about this is Martha's Vineyard is about 100 miles south of Provincetown. And who cares, right? Why, what does that matter? Well, Provincetown is <laughs> legitimately, the cluster that came from Provincetown is the exact cluster they used to change the CDC recommendations 
to be wearing masks and not having large gatherings. And yet Obama is going to have his 60th birthday party. Happy birthday, Barack. I can't wait. There's another thing that's going on uh, today, which is people are getting evicted from their homes, in theory, at least. Uh, AOC is on the on the task and she's complaining about why we're allowing this to happen. Watch. Well, you know, I think there's a couple of, of issues here. First of all, right. you are absolutely correct in that the House and House leadership had the opportunity to vote to extend the moratorium. And there were many, and there was frankly a handful of conservative Democrats in the House that threatened to get on planes rather than hold this vote. And we have to um, really just call a spade a spade. We cannot in good faith, blame the Republican Party when House Democrats have a majority. Now, there is something to be said for the fact that this court order came down on the White House a month ago, and the White House waited until the day before the House adjourned to release a statement asking on Congress to extend the moratorium. This came after weeks. I sit on the Financial Services Committee, which has jurisdiction over housing. We had, you know, the, the housing secretary there asking about the administration's stance uh, we asked the Biden administration about their stance, and they were not being really forthright about that advocacy and that request until the day before the House adjourned. I'll say something very controversial here. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez isn't all bad. She's 99.78% bad, but not all. There's a point. 2% of her that actually is kind of honest. I mean, she's, she lives this stuff, right? This, is, she, this isn't a game to her. She's an insane socialist. And so when she has the opportunity to call out even Democrats, she does occasionally do it. Now, of course, she's calling out Democrats for not extending a moratorium on, uh, on evictions, which is a, a completely bonkers policy, right? It doesn't make any sense. Certainly the CDC should not be able to just implement it on the country. How that was ever thought to be constitutional, I will never know. Um, and as uh, and by the way, we can partially blame Brett Kavanaugh for this, who sided with the left and said, yeah, of course, the CDC can do this. He did, however, signal that if they try to do it again, we're not going to allow it. And that is one of the reasons why they, try, they didn't try to do it again. Um, AOC is being a little disingenuous here, saying... The, why would the president need to ask you to pass a bill? You could just pass a bill. You're, you're another branch of government. In fact, Congress is a supreme branch of government uh, be, over the executive branch. I can tell you this. If you want to impeach someone, you've got to go to the House. If you want to get rid of a, a House member, the president can't do jack about it. So it tells you who the supreme um, uh, branch of government is. Uh, anyway, long story short, they are trying to figure out a way to vote this through and pass a law, which I would also say is unconstitutional, by the way, a law that would say, sure, we can just ban evictions. How is that possible? If you enter into an arrangement in which you're leasing property, how can it be impossible to evict someone? Do they just get to stay there for free forever? What is the plan here? None of this makes uh, any sense, but it is what you would expect in this bizarre country of ours. We need to take a break. We'll be back in just a second. There are hundreds of companies out there who claim to compare auto and home insurance rates, but there's only one who actually does it and does it right. Get a better insurance with Gabby. Uh, I've gone through this process myself with Gabby. Uh, use your current policy and you can find a better policy. Uh, comparing your current coverage to 40 of the top insurance providers like Progressive, like Nationwide, like Travelers, all the big names that you probably know. 
basically you can just give them your exact policy. So it's not like one of these things where you're like, oh, I think I have this and maybe I have this and you, you, you think you see a good price and then you think, oh, well, I didn't realize I didn't get half the coverage I had before. That's not the way this works. They give you a replica of your exact policy with all the same stuff on it. And you can see all the companies, what, they, uh, what their rate is for that insurance. So you can get the exact same coverage or better coverage for the same price. And if, you don't, if they don't have a better rate for you, they'll tell you so. Hey, you got the best rate right now. Check back in with us in a few months. Gabby customers save $961 on, uh, per year on average. And they'll never sell your info, so you don't have to worry about any spam or robocalls or anything like that. Put your policy to the test like I did. Get better insurance with Gabby. It's totally free to check. There's no obligation. You can go to Gabby.com slash stew. It's G-A-B-I dot com slash stew. Make sure to use the slash stew part of the address because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Gabby.com slash stew. G-A-B-I dot com slash stew. Every one of our shows is available on YouTube for free. Why? Because I love you. Your family might hate you, but I love you. Okay? StuDoesAmerica.com will get you the link to go there. And you can comment on the show as it goes on. We see your comments all the time. Uh, this one from last week, we were talking about the uh, bipartisan blowout, the bipartisan spending bill. And this is uh, absolutely true. Uh, all bipartisan means is getting screwed with the blessings of both parties. Yes, that is exactly what it is. Thanks for the comment. Don't forget your reviews as well. Wherever you watch the podcast, we really appreciate when you do this. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars, of course. Uh, and you just, you know, quick review. It's great. Whatever. That's fine. Uh, Stu is amazing. Love the show. Laugh and learn. And overall, time well spent. Five freaking stars from Zofia's mom. I mean, if you know Zofia, you know Zofia's mom. Giving a review like that. That, that's big news. And remember, when you give a five-star review to this program, you not only help us, but you hurt others. And that's the most important thing. Also, I wanted to address uh, the show sort of went viral a little bit over the weekend as we uh, a moment of the show where I expressed a, a, a touch of frustration at the news that was going on. Uh, this was tied to some uh, some story about the Muppets. <laughs> I don't even know what it was about. Um, here's some of the reaction to it. Hillary Kennedy, our own Hillary Ken Kennedy, felt the same way. Christina, you just nailed everyone's mood right now. Looking more like Glenn Beck every day. That one just hurts. I, I, don't, I don't know about that. Um, Stu, by now, if I were you, I would be six sheets to the wind, totally plastered. Maybe we should all unplug like Dave Rubin in August. Yes. Uh, this is all of us right now. I knew I wasn't the only one. If you missed this clip... Uh, I sort of lost my mind just for a few seconds, though. Watch. Why? Why? <sighs> I just, that is, that's everybody, I think, right now. Why are we even talking about this nonsense? We're supposed to live in a country that is not completely insane all the time. And we can never seem to find our way back to it on a daily basis. Why? Why is all this happening? I don't have answers to every question, especially that one. Back in a second. All right, so here's what happened. Guy is loading up his fridge with soda, okay? As he's loading up the soda, one of the cans explodes. He thinks, oh my God, someone's shooting at me from the basement. So naturally, instead of just seeing the soda in front of him, he fires 
at the bottom of his fridge where he hears the sound coming from the person who's shooting at them. Now, that sounds kind of like a crazy reaction, but you have to take into account that his neighbor, or his downstairs neighbor who lived in the basement underneath him, uh, wanted to kill him. So he thought, okay, this guy's he's going for it. He's shooting at me from downstairs. So police arrive uh, on the scene. Uh, luckily, no one was killed. The, the, he did fire real bullets, though, at the bottom of the refrigerator. Police show up on the scene. They say, what's going on? He explains what's going on. It says his neighbor downstairs trying to kill me. I fired down there. He's ranting and raving in, in, in front of the house. The police do notice one issue with his story because, I mean, as I'm looking at it, I'm thinking this guy actually probably just wanted to kill his downstairs neighbors and said, oh, no, it's soda can. Boom, 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 boom. Like there's something going on. Well, police did find some interesting facts about the story. Uh, number one, uh, he, he doesn't have a neighbor that lives in the basement. There's no no one lives there. Um, also, there's no basement. It's possible there's some other issues going on here. Uh, he is arre- He has been arrested. He does not have his guns in his hands anymore. So that's a positive development, I think, for all Americans. We'll give you updates as they come around. Uh, another update, by the way, Nancy Pelosi sucks pens. She has been sucking more than ever. They are back in stock, ready for you. Nancy Pelosi sucks pen.com. Also, the new Wokeness is Weakness mug is available as well. Don't miss out on that during the Olympics. It's important.